It is Thursday. We are back for the fourth installment of the week. And uh, we got some great stuff to talk about today. It's great stuff in the headlines. It's great content to be talked about. Um, And oh yeah, it's game day, game two for the white hot heat. And also game two and a must win scenario for the Panthers down here in South Florida. So lots of energy on the day. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, it's a, it's a throwback Thursday. It's a fantastic Thursday. Um, yeah, just happy to be here again. Steve Doodleberg is back in Thank South Florida, for those of you that are wondering. He is here. He is uh, in the realm of the of the environment. He's taking a day because he was uh, home late last night from traveling back from the West Coast. But I'm sure he is itching to be back on the huddle and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him tomorrow. But uh, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> he was eager to hop on this morning. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was we, not uh, safe for TV, though. <laughs> he made the executive decision that the attire would not be shown. Well, tomorrow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling charged up. I'm feeling ready to go. I hope everybody's energy is up. Let's get to some wake up music, and we will come back. And we got tons of stuff to talk about. I love it. So today, Throwback Thursday, and on today in history, in 1974, the Rubik's Cube was created. And I think this is fun to talk about because I'm personally one of those people who has absolutely no idea how to even get two colors next to each other on the Rubik's Cube. I probably couldn't even tell you what the colors are on a Rubik's Cube to start there. Um, but there are only some fun facts. There are only 5.8% of the population that can do a Rubik's Cube, and we'll just throw it out there. I'm sure Shay can do it. Or that's there like it. <laughs> Shay's working on it. This is like Shay always has it in the background. He's just constantly twisting and turning the Rubik's Cube. Oh, I'd be interested to know if there's anybody in the huddle audience or anybody in our network or world who knows how to do the Rubik's Cube because – Again, like as a kid or, you know, it was one of those toys that like you saw somewhere and you're like, oh, man, I'm stuck with this thing and I'm just going to be spinning this thing for the next three hours. The record is 5.5 seconds to solve a Rubik's Cube. Um, There are 43 quintillion different combinations that you can solve a Rubik's Cube. Um, That's absurd. That's an absurd number. Like 
quintillion is that obviously that's higher than a trillion that's the next zero i guess whoa so no you could actually spend a trillion a day and for your entire life if you would take you 1.4 trillion years to go through all the permutations of the rubik's cube right so and and chris white says something very uh, there's christy ruiz who says my husband can do it and do it quickly too shout out to i think it's johnny is uh is his name and chris white says i'm sure pretty sure i could find a tiktok on how to do it there's no doubt you could find tiktok videos you could find instagram reels and you could definitely find youtube videos that are very entertaining when it comes to the rubik's cube the guy who invented it it took him a month to solve it so if the guy <laughs> yeah. who did it took a month yeah but that's like the old roger banister rule right, <laughs> right. Like, nobody broken. can break the four minute mile so until broken. roger did it and then everybody's doing it. So it's like it took him a month, you know, it took him a month to solve it after he created it. And then it was like, oh yeah, you don't know how to do it. Like, let me show you. I'll be better perfect it. And it's crazy that this game, this toy, has evolved into brilliancy, into an IQ test. Yeah, um, yeah. it sets the standard for everybody, but wild. A 10, what is it? You know, 350. Yeah, there you go. So Christy's husband learned from YouTube, which goes to show you, you can learn absolutely anything. on youtube and i there have been times that like i've fallen into the rabbit hole of like watching the videos and i'm like oh i could learn how to do this and then you know you like pick up the actual rubik's cube and that that and we're going to talk about this later but it's like that you know is this worth my time is this worth my capital of of energy and time and intellect you're gonna get to the end like if you do it hypothetically you know you get to the end you just you still have the same cube. That's what I'm saying. And then, like, what am I bringing a Rubik's cube around to, like, hey, you know, I can do a Rubik's cube? Yeah, like, like, once it's done, like, I just it's change great it. social I content. Do. Like, if you can do it, I highly suggest you put out a video of yourself today solving the Rubik's cube because it was invented in 1974. But um, that's the throwback Thursday for the day. I think now we head to huddle headlines because we have some extremely great stuff. And some other stuff that kind of makes you scratch your head to talk about. So in the first huddle headline, Nick Saban has come out and um, put out a comment and put out a video about the way the world has changed in NIL. And typically we hold Nick Saban to the standard as coaching, as building process, as building organizations. I don't necessarily think we're going to agree with him here. Shay, show me the video. We were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. So here is the game has changed, right? The NCAA changed the rules on players being able to make money off of their own name, image, and likeness, hence the NIL rule. And here's Nick Saban, number one, talking about somebody else. First, why are you talking about anybody else other than yourself? about what other people are doing he's not that kind of guy and we had talked a little before the show and i hadn't even processed it really yet or digested it and the first thing i thought about was he always talks about what they do 
their process, the way it's they It's always about it. us. It's always it's about controlling what we can control and what we can do. And now here he is pointing the finger at AM because they finished in first in recruiting last year. year. Which, which, by the way, Alabama finished in second. So, like, it's right. not like they had a really bad year in recruiting. But AM finished first. And here he is pointing his finger saying they bought every player through name, image, and likeness. And so it's this the game is changing. And it would appear that Nick Saban, as opposed to embracing change and saying, okay, this is a part of the game now. How do we build a strategy around it and make sure that we're successful at it? He's digging his heels in the sand saying, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. And then pointing the finger at AM and saying, look at what they did to get all their players. I'm not going to call him old because I don't, I don't think that's a nice thing to do. Sure. He is showing his age a little bit. And, I agree with you here. I agree and, with you and here. He's, and he's always done a really good job of – kind of keeping up with the times adapting no. he's adapted Adapt. the way they play the game unbelievably correct whether it be and he's adapted the way they way. practice right right so he's always been a part of the philosophy of growing and having this growth mindset and now that there are people who are theoretically maybe doing it better or utilizing the materials better the things that are available to them he's now kind of reverting which is interesting and here's the other takeaway for me is I've been fortunate to recruit against Alabama with Nick Saban as the head coach and win and, and recruit guys away that we were both competing against. And I know for 1000% that they cheated, that they broke rules, uh, rules around how much time somebody could spend on campus rules around who paid for them to be on campus or who paid for a visit or things that were given to them while on visits. I know for sure 1000% that they break the rules when it comes to recruiting. So now you're pointing a finger at somebody saying that they're breaking the rules or they're not even breaking the rules. They're They're just choosing to do something that's within the rules now better than you are. And you're making excuses about it. It's, it's interesting because there is now this stigma around NLI that they're buying players instead of the verbiage being providing opportunities for right. better financial situations. Right. Like, These kids five, have audiences. You're offering them the ability to monetize their audience. Our resources as a university and our connection through our alumni base and our sponsors to better ensure that our kids are taken care of financially. So Alabama could do. So to be fair, in the like the longer clip of it, he yeah. does talk about it creating opportunities. It's just that, you know, calling right. out. It's a soundbite. It's definitely yeah. a soundbite. So I want to touch on what Jonathan Aarons is talking about here because he says, I took it in a different way, right? I took it as him calling out the local business owners to get involved and which I agree here, right? Like that could be part of his strategy right here is him saying, if we don't start to do what they're doing, we're not going to be able to sustain our success. So he's calling on, I would disagree 1000% with the way that he went about doing it though. And you want to challenge that. your local community? You want to challenge boosters? You want to challenge the school administration to build better systems and processes to help you win in this one aspect of the game? Then do that. 
But don't point the finger at AM and be like, they bought every one of their players, and that's why they finished first. And it's cool. It was you a have, bad we look have for Coach Nixon. Mike in here, too. And I was telling Mark about this. I forget the name, his name, but the coach of Notre Dame had, they asked him about, you know, the changing landscape of sports and what his thoughts were. And he goes, the last time I checked, we get paid very handsomely to do what we do. It's our jobs to adapt and make sure that we're doing the best job. All about. So speaking of adaptation, speaking of changing, a huge congratulations to the Women's United States Soccer because they have officially reached the equal pay agreement with the men's teams. And uh, just want to talk about how unbelievable of a feat this is, right? First and of all, I yeah. watched women's soccer way more than I watch men's soccer percent. when it comes to US. It's a way better product. Way more. It's but a way, I, better, way better product. So congratulations to them. And this is the real deal. Like as you walk through what the agreement is, it's sharing and winnings. It's equal pay for games. It's equal US pay for, mar for marketing. It's every aspect of the sport and the business is equal, which could not have been done. And I want to make sure that I'm not taking anything away from the women, but could not have been done unless the men came to the table and were willing to compromise because it took them agreeing to lowering wages, to losing money in some of the different revenue streams in order to give. And I think that's really what change is about. Like we're watching a lot of different aspects of our society and, and our country be at polar opposites and not be willing to give at all to help the other side. And here you have a fantastic example of what it takes to find a common ground where everybody can work together and do what's right. Any great change that's happened in our country started with a group who was affected and then affected people who weren't being affected. And those people who weren't being affected took a stand, had an opinion and helped them push agendas forward. So it's super cool to see them get equal pay. They are the only country. Uh, we are the only country who do it now and hopefully set a standard for the rest of FIFA, which obviously other countries are not as well equipped in equal rights, especially in sex, where it doesn't matter. So it's cool to see us lead the way and do something right, you know, for huge, for huge shout out to the United States soccer teams, because um, it took work from both sides. It took compromise. It took communication. It took, you know, understanding and they got it done. And so what a win for the women, what a win for the men, what a win for our country in setting ourselves as the standard on the way to operate. And uh, super congratulations. So let's go to morning motivational music, and then we will come back and we will continue the conversation.
I mean, just she's unbelievable. Every time, there's never a bad time for Whitney. Ever. Well, so I, when I do find the motivational music, I usually find it the day before, and so right. all night I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm like in the supermarket. Just right. everyone. <laughs> I mean, Joni Knight says it perfectly. Like dances around the audience. Right. Like, as soon as you hear that, you are just moving. So great job with the morning motivation music, which was obviously. A, uh, a testament to United States women's soccer and the equal pay that's going on there. So I, I want to just kind of, there's a lot of comments that I didn't really see, but you know, Mike coach Mike says this type of change is hard for older coaches. I think that's why a few prominent college basketball coaches are retiring. The point I'm making with Nick Saban, the point I'm making with, with United States soccer is that it's a mindset. Right. It's it's a mindset of you have to be willing to adapt. And, you know, whether you you listen to Jocko and, and extreme ownership or the dichotomy of leadership where it's disciplined but not rigid, you're seeing somebody be very rigid in their belief and what they think. And then you're seeing an entire organization not be rigid right. and be fluid and be, you know, as 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 uh, Bruce Lee would say, be water. There was an obstacle. Equal pay was the obstacle. And the soccer foundation found a way or the soccer, you know, uh, organization found a way around it, found a way to work through it, go around it in order to accomplish something. That's a mindset. That's a mindset of understanding that the only thing we can count on is change. And I'm not going to allow change to ruin me. I'm only going to allow change to propel me. Yeah. And are we going to get to the next part of the content or, you, or do we want to stay on? Yeah, no, let's go to the next part of the content. <laughs> Scott Oglesby, what's your mindset paying $4.50 per gallon of gas? I'm glad I don't live in California where it's $7 yeah. per gallon. Yeah, I'm glad I don't drive a truck, you know? <laughs> yeah, not a good time to have an SUV right now. But – Content for today, we all have a bunch of capital. I know that we have a slide. I know dad talks about it all the time. Most people think about it in financial capital, but there is much more. Shay, do we have the other slide that shows it? So you pulled this from an article that was out. Uh, where was it? It was entrepreneur.com. Entrepreneur.com, which talked about planning for success and managing the four types of capital that you have. And they talk about the four types of capital being, what was it? Relationship capital, human capital. The ones from the article were, they were a little bit different than ours, but it was human capital, creative, or oh, let me pull Yeah, human, up. creative, knowledge, and there was one more, and financial. Financial, Those human, and financial. social. So, it, and I, I would agree, like all of the, like your creative capital, especially in today's world is so important, right? I think that's what differentiates you. That's what stands you out. That's what helps you get people's attention is, and I go back to, you know, when I was coaching football, that's talking about how you do what you do, not what you do. What you do is commoditized. There's a lot of coaches out there. There's thousands and thousands of coaches. The reason that I win is because I coach the way I coach. Not everybody coaches the same way. You have what makes you unique. That's your creative capital. But then as we talk about relationship capital, that's really two forms. There's relationship capital and then there's social capital. 
right? And relationship capital would be defined as who you know, who you can call on, who you can reach out to, who you're connected with that allows you to, you know, create opportunity. But then the social capital is who knows you, right? And 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 the question that dad likes to ask all the time is, you know, if I asked you how many people are, you know, how many people are aware of you or know about you, not enough. You know, the answer should always be not enough, right? You could always have more people know about you. And that's really the benefit of social media. It, that's the benefit of having a personal brand. That's the benefit of building relationships at scale. Like that to me is as we were talking through our, our coaching call yesterday, somebody who's new to the branding space or new to selling in this kind of environment it was very, it was systematically breaking it down for him of like, as you're looking at your activities daily, how are you building your social capital, right? Like you might invest financially in cryptocurrency. You might invest financially in different stocks that you're hoping to then, you know, get returns on. How do you do that socially every single day? Well, I think people set plans for their financial capital. Like how am I going to grow that? They set long-term plans and it happens and why don't we do that for the other sides of it? Like, what's your plan for developing your human capital? What make? Why are you smart? The things you do well, your abilities, that all makes you who you are and you're human. And setting those plans to get to the end goal or whatever your goal is. And that to me is like, you can't, you can't, you can't change or you can't develop what you can't track or what you can't, you know, observe. So to me, if... I'm focused on investing. The activity of investing financially is looking at my portfolio, looking at the stocks and actively giving money into these different portfolios or stocks or whatever it is, right? For social capital, what are the activities that are investments, right? Well, one can be creating content, right? That's one activity that you know is investing in your social capital because it helps keep you top of mind for people. But then I like to go back to, you know, the, the words of, of Jesse Itzler and the three C's, which is congratulate, console, and a missing one. Congratulate, console, and no, there was, I'm, I can't believe I just blanked on it. I had it before the show. Compliment. Compliment. Thank you, Shay. That a boy. So spend your day complimenting people, right? Congratulating people, consoling people. And how easy is that to do? You no longer have to pick up the phone all day, every day. You no longer have to send right handwritten letters every day. You can use that. That can be a tool for some people, but also you can just scroll through your timeline and you can be liking, you can be commenting, you can be sharing. And that's all a way to live in those three C's for people. So as you're investing in your capital, right? Is there, is there a capital that's more important than your, you know, relationship capital or your social capital? I don't think so. And so focusing on those activities that then allow you to grow that capital day in and day out are what it's about. Awesome. Great Again, stuff. Another amazing show. We will, or you won't be back. Tomorrow. I will not be back. Kai Everett Noodleberg is coming into town tomorrow. I will be at the Miami airport picking him up bright and early at, I don't know, I think 745 his plane lands. We'll so have we, will catch, we will catch the huddle from the car. You guys have a fantastic rest of your week. 
Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this.